Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of looking at the parasha in the eyes or through the lens of Hasidut. Tonight we are studying parashat Vayera, the parasha of Hachnasat Orchim, of welcoming guests. And that is going to be a major theme of what we're going to say tonight. The Torah tells us in this week's parasha about the greatness of Abraham and how far he went to ensure that all of his guests were taken care of. And he and his wife were the role models for all of Klal Israel and future generations. They were the epitome of what it means to be great hosts. And uh, the Jewish nation, till today, pride themselves on that mitzvah of lending out, stretching their hand out for chesed. The Torah tells us in this week's perasha, Vayita eshel biv'er shava, that Abraham Avinu planted an eshel in Be'er Sheva. What was this eshel? So Gemara in Masechet Sotah gives two explanations. One was Rish Lakish, and he says that Abraham planted an orchard of all kinds of sweet fruits. And Rashi there says that he did this to give pleasure pleasure to the people who were passing by. He cared about the people. He knew that they would appreciate the sweet fruits while they were traveling, so he, he supplied this service for them. Travelers stopping on the road to enjoy, to enjoy grapes and pomegranates and dates and figs and all the good fruits, etrogim, you name it, he had it. It was a fruit market. The Gemara's second explanation of the word Eshel is an inn, a hotel. And Abraham Avinu set up a hotel so the people who were tired from their travels could rest up. And Rashi writes that the word Eshel stands for Achila, Shetia, and Levia. Eating, drinking, and escorting. He also escorted them when they left. All these services for free. Unbelievable. Who would open up a hotel and not charge anything? Abraham Avinu. The beginning of the parasha elaborates on Abraham's hachnasat orchim. There's at least eight or nine pesukim that go in depth of his love and perfection for this mitzvah. The holy books write that when a tzaddik excels in a mitzvah during his lifetime, he continues to perform this mitzvah even after he passes away. He joins the Jewish nation when they come to perform that mitzvah. And based on this principle, our rabbis tell us that Abraham Avinu continues to do the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchim. Whenever a Jew takes care of his guests, Abraham Avinu is there present. He participates in the mitzvah. How do we know this? If you look at this week's parasha, describing the Hachnasat Orchim of Abraham Avinu, all the verbs that are used are past tense. He took, he went, he hurried. There's one line that is present tense. Avraham stands above them underneath the tree and they ate. These words are in present tense and implies that until today, when Jews do Achnasat Orchim, Avraham Avinu stands right there. He's present. He wants to partake in the mitzvah. I want to share with you quite a few mini stories, anecdotes of our Chachamim of the yesteryear and how they excelled in this mitzvah. They say Rav Chaim of Brisk was extremely sick when he was a, a young child and all the doctors lost hope. 
And Rav Moshe Kabrino was visiting the city of Brisk at the time and he stayed in the home of Rav Chaim's fa- grandfather. And the grandfather said to the Rebbe, I don't know what's going to be with my grandchild. He's so sick. I don't know if he's going to make it. And the Rebbe told him this Devar Torah that Abraham Omed, indicating that Abraham Avinu was present at Achnasat Orchim at every moment of Achnasat Orchim. And he said, and he quotes a Gemara, that a precious stone hung from the neck of Abraham Avinu, and whoever saw that stone was healed. And therefore he told the grandfather of the boy, since you are hosting me and you're performing Hachnasat Orchim, this means that Abraham Avinu is right here. He's in this home. And Abraham has that gem hanging around his neck. And there's no doubt in my mind that your grandson is going to be healed. And indeed, that's what happened. Rav Chaim Ibris became one of the greatest rabbis of the last uh, 200 years. Another story of the same Rebbe was a guest in a home and he told him that his daughter was sick. And again, the same Rebbe told, said to the sick young girl, and he said, you know, your father's performing Hachnasat Orchim, which means right now, Avraham Avinu is here. Look at your father. Because there's a precious stone, imaginary stone, but it's there, hanging from his neck. That's a stone of Avraham Avinu, and you're going to feel better. And indeed she was. Once a group of Hasidim was talking about a certain Yemenite Jew. Um, about how he fed hundreds of refugees who lost their home in World War I. And they were talking praise about this Yemenite Jew, this Temani. And one of the Hasidim said, you know what I heard about this Temani Jew? That he had a chavruta, a, he had a learning partner with one of the great Kabbalist giants of the generation. He was implying that the, this Sadiq was a scholar in the hidden parts of the Torah, in addition to the Chesed, the Rebbe of these of these group of Hasidim heard this and said to them, why do you even mention that? Right now we're talking about this man fed hundreds of homeless Jews in their, during the aftermath of World War I, as if to say that that's not good enough? That's greater than the fact that he had a Chavruta with a Kabbalist. The level of, of Achnasat Orchim bringing people in at that time is an unbelievable ma'ala. They say of the one of the Belzer Rebbe's, the Sar HaShalom of Belz built a majestic synagogue in Belz. And two generations later, his grandson built a very large uh, banquet hall as an addition and that's where they got their, their celebrations in, in, uh, in Yiddish. They called the Tish, where they would join with the Rebbe and, uh, and partake in a Seuda. And the Rebbe would speak there, Divrei Chizuk and Torah. When the construction of this banquet hall was, was completed, the Rabbi said, you know, I want to tell you something. He was telling this to all of his students. He goes, a thousand years ago on this spot, there lived a Jew who excelled in the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchim, like Avraham Avinu. How do I know this? Because when my grandfather built the shul, this Jew thought it was time for Techiyat HaMetim, a thousand years, eight hundred years later. He got out of the grave and came to my grandfather. And uh, my grandfather, the Sar Shalom Abels, told him, it's not time for Techiyat HaMetim. And then the Niftar, the person went back into the kever. In the merit of the Achnasat Torchim, which he kept, 
with all his might right here in this spot. This is why this shoe was built right here in this spot. Unbelievable story. They say of the Maharal Midiskin, he excelled in the mitzvah of Achnasat And once he was studying, he was so engaged in his Torah study that he got up all of a sudden and he walked over to another table to help an older man who wanted to eat bread. But since he was old, it was difficult for him to chew. So he separated the soft parts of the bread from the crust so it would be easier for him to eat. So people asked the rabbi, you were so engrossed in your studies. How did you even notice the man who was there? How do you know he was struggling with his bread? So he answered, based on this week's parasha, the parasha begins, Vayera elav Hashem, that Hashem came to Abraham. Rashi says it was the third day after his brit milah, and God came to ask him how he was feeling. Incredible moment. Abraham was having a conversation with God. How is it possible you're having a conversation with God you reach the level to have a conversation with God, and yet you notice three travelers approaching? The answer is, Abraham was so dedicated to the mitzvah of Hachnasat Orchim, and when you're so devoted to a mitzvah, you're alert, you're aware of everything that's associated with that mitzvah at all times. And therefore the rabbi explained that I'm all, he goes, I'm also dedicated and devoted to this mitzvah. And that's why even when I was learning, I was aware what this person needed. Another little story at times in the city of Kozmir. It was always silent at night and all the homes were dark. But there was always one house that was lit up. And it was the home of Rabbi Cheskov Kozmir where he lived. Zecher Tzadik Livracha. He would wake up in midnight and study Torah until the morning. And two travelers arrived in the city in the middle of the night. They needed a place to stay. They knocked. They, they, they looked around. It was dark everywhere. And they saw a light coming from one house. And they knocked, and it was the Rebbe's home. It was the only one that was lit. The Rebbe took them in, prepared a meal for them, a place to sleep. It caused a little bit of noise. And it woke up the Gabai, the Shamash, the attendant of the, of the Rebbe, who slept in the next room. <clears throat> and the Gabai thought to himself, who is coming to the house in the middle of the night? And the Rabbi is attending to them. He goes, I'm, these must be special neshamot, special souls. And the Gabai assumed that these Neshamot came to the rabbi so that the rabbi can rectify their souls. And he was afraid to see who these people were, so he stayed in his room. <clears throat> the next morning at Shachrit, the Gabai told the people about the Neshamot that came, these special Neshamot that came in the middle of the night. And the Rebbe said, you're right. It's true. There were two Neshamot that came to me last night. But they didn't come to me so I can fix their souls. They came to fix my neshama. Because through the people that came into that home, he had the merit to perform a special mitzvah. Oftentimes people feel embarrassed when they're the recipient of achnasat orchim. Once the Avnei Nezer was serving a guest who protested, he said, well, I'm a simple guy, I'm a regular person, you're a big tzaddik, I don't deserve this honor, what are you doing serving me? And the Avnei Nezer opened the window and he pointed across the street. He goes, across the street there's a tannery where they tan leathers, leather, hide. And he said, in the tannery you find hides. But when these hides become tefillin, they become holy. And similarly, you, regardless of your level, now you are a mitzvah. You are a cheftzah shel mitzvah. 
an item used for a mitzvah, so now you're holy, you're kadosh, because I get to use you for the mitzvah of achnasat orchim. The Chafetz Chaim was once taking care of a guest. And again, the guest said to the Chafetz Chaim, you don't have to do this for me. I can set up the room myself. I, I can get around. It's okay. The Chafetz Chaim said, really? And tomorrow, are you going to wear my tefillin for me as well? Meaning as if to say, you're going to take the mitzvah away from me? I want to do this mitzvah. So, never think for a moment that you're too great to perform something like this, a mitzvah of hachnasat orchim. Continuing with the Chafetz Chaim, when the Chafetz Chaim was very old, he couldn't travel any longer to gatherings with the rabbis. So the rabbis decided to hold their meetings at his house. And uh, the next meeting that took place, the, the great Rav Chaim Ozer Grzynski came to this meeting, and the Chafetz Chaim was very happy to see him. And one of the rabbanim who were in attendance says, Ah, Rav Chaim Ozer came, we're ten people, let's pray Mincha. The Chafetz Chaim said, wait, 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 wait. He disagreed. He said, doesn't say it anywhere that we have to ask a guest if he wants to pray. You have to ask a guest if he wants food, if he needs a place to stay, not if he wants to pray. Where did the Chafetz Chaim learn this from? He learned it again from this week's Perashat. Avraham Avinu told Avimelech, Rak enirat elokim bamakom Avraham told Avimelech that there was no yirat Hashem in this town. I see that here there's no fear of God. So, question is, how, is that, how did Abraham Avinu realize this? He just walked into the city. How does he know that there's no fear of God in there? So Rashi explains, he asks this question, and Rashi says, When a guest comes to your city, and Abraham was the guest that entered Avimelech city, Do you ask him whether or not he needs some food, food and drink? Or do you ask him about his wife? Is she your wife or your sister? So Abraham Avinu was able to perceive that this city was not holy, that there's no Yirat Shamayim, there's no Yirat Elokim, because when he came in, the first thing Avimelech asked of him was not whether or not he needed food. He asked him about his wife. Is this your wife or is this your sister? So the Chafetz Chaim explained, this means that when a guest comes, you have to ask him whether or not he's hungry or not. And that's what the Chafetz Chaim did with, with Chaim Ozer. He wanted to eat or you don't want to eat. So, and if you're, if you're fine and you don't need to eat, then go upstairs and rest a little bit. But you don't have to pull him in to say, to, for, for a minyan. Beautiful story. Avraham Avinu told his guests, Ve'ekha pat lechem, I will take bread. Which means, I will take bread. The Pasuk should have said, I will give you bread. What's Ve'ekha? The rabbis tell us that when one gives bread to the poor, to the hungry, he is really the one who's taking. The rabbis tell us, more than the wealthy do to the poor, the poor does for the wealthy. Because the poor people give the opportunities to the wealthy people to perform the mitzvah. That's why the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat states, Gedola haknasat orchim yoter mikabalat Taking in guests is greater than greeting the Shekhinah. Unbelievable statement if you think about it. That I can bring in a guest and it's greater than, than, than accepting the Shekhinah. Because we see that Abraham Avinu left God. Sorry God, hold on over here. I need to deal with these three individuals that came to my door. 
turns out to be angels. I have to see what they want. I have to make sure that they're taken care of. And he put HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the side. The Gemara states, Gedola Legima, that when giving, when treating guests, or especially if those are, uh, if the guests are poor people and need a place to stay and eat, it's a great, great mitzvah to give them food, actual food. Giving food is better than giving money. Then if you give money, then the poor person still has to go out and buy food. But if you give him food, he benefits immediately. The Gemara describes the rewards and benefits that go to people who perform Hachnasat Orchim, and in contrast, the punishment of the people that don't. The Torah tells us in Mitzvah, in the Torah, Lo yavo amoni bikal Hashem, that an Ammonite and a Moabite, someone from Ammon and Moab, cannot marry into the Jewish nation ever. Why? You know why? Because the, these descendants of Ammon and Moab, why can't they join the Jewish nation? Because they didn't greet you with bread and water when you were on the road leaving Egypt. And the Sefer HaChinuch explains that Hashem commands us to hate them because they acted so corruptly. They didn't even offer bread and water to a large nation who were tired from their travels, who were passing along their borders. These people are not fit to enter the Jewish nation. Gibranach gives an example of the punishment that comes to those people who don't feed the hungry. The Gibranach expresses it in the words, It distances those who are near. Amonu Moab, these two nations are actually very close to Eretz Israel geographically. Not only that, they have familial ties. Because Lot, they're Lot's descendants. Lot's grandchildren are Ammon and Moab. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Nevertheless, they were distanced. They're not allowed to enter the Jewish nation because of their uncaring nature. In contrast, you have Yitro. Yitro was Moshe's father-in-law. Before he became Moshe's father-in-law, he extended his hospitality to Moshe when Moshe came to Midian. The Pasuk says, Yitro tells his daughters, why do you abandon the man? Call him, let him eat bread. Bring him to the house. Invite him over for Shabbat. He wasn't a Jew yet, but invite him over. In reward, Yitro's descendants were great Torah scholars and they were members of the Grand Court of Sanhedrin. And the Gemara calls this Mekarevet et Feeding people brought those who are distant. Yitro was distant. He wasn't a Jew. Close, brought him into the Jewish nation. Another benefit of Hachnasat Orchim is Uma'alemet Enayim Min HaReshaim. Hashem looks away from the sins of the Reshaim. When one performs the mitzvah of bringing in guests, God doesn't think about his sins. You want proof? There was once a man named Micha. Micha was a Jew who brought, unfortunately, a lot of havoc and destruction to the Jewish nation. The Zechariah says in the Sefer, Ve'ever bayam tzara, and the Gemara explains that when the Jews walked through Yamsuf, when the sea split, Micha carried an idol with him. According to another explanation, Micha carried a gold plaque that had God's name on it, and he intended to use it as an Avodah Zarah's idol worship. And a few months later, he threw this plaque into the fire, and the golden calf, the Egel Azahav, emerged from it. In Eretz Yisrael, Michal lived a long time. When he got to Israel, 
he continued his evil ways. The Navi tells us that he built an idol and built a temple for Avodah for idol worship. And the Gemara states, where that temple stood in Migrav was just three kilometers away from Shiloh, the place where the Mishkan stood. And therefore the smoke of the altar, of the Mizbeach, of this Avodah mixed with the smoke of the Mishkan Shiloh Mizbeach. The Malachim, the angels, wanted to kill Micha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you have to let him live. Let him live. Look at all the evil he's causing. He goes, you know, you're going to let him live. You know why? Pito Because he gives bread to passing travelers. See, Micha ran also a Hachnasat Orchim organization on the road, just like Abraham. And in that merit, Abraham, uh, Hashem overlooked all of his sins. Unbelievable. We see from here that Hachnasat Orchim Ma'alemet God chooses not to notice the deeds, the evil deeds of the Reshaim. And he was granted life because of that good deed. And he didn't lose his portion in Olam Abba. The Gemara says another benefit from Achnasat Urchim. Melech Yerovam was the first Jewish king of Israel, Melech Israel, after the split in kingdom. He was an evil king. And he was sacrificing idols in Bethel. And the prophet of the time, his name was Ido. Ido Anavi came to rebuke him. And Yerovam stretched out his arm to, some say to attack Ido. And some say he went to catch him, point him and catch him. And the Pasuk writes, Vativash yado velo Yerovam's hand, when he pointed to Ido to say catch him or to strike him, his hand got stuck. Couldn't move. He couldn't bring his hand back. And he pleaded with Ido to pray for him. And the Navi Ido prayed for him and Yerovam was healed. And then once he was healed, he told the prophet, come to my house, eat a meal. I'm going to give you a present. And the Navi replied, even if you give me half of your wealth, I won't come with you. I won't eat bread. I won't drink water here in Bethel. God told me not to eat bread, not to drink water. I can't do it. So he started walking home, this prophet Ido. And he met someone who said, come to my house. I'm going to give you bread. Ido said, I can't. Hashem commanded me that I can't eat bread or drink water in that place. You know what the man said? He lied. He says, I'm a prophet just like you are. And I also received a prophecy saying that you should eat bread in my house and drink water. Ido believed him. He went to his home and he ate the meal. He didn't know that this person was a false prophet. The Pasuk then states, They were sitting on the table and the false prophet, the liar, received a true prophecy from God and he told Ido, the real prophet, he told him, you're going to be devoured by a lion when you leave my house. And that's actually what happened. Ido, on his way home, got killed and devoured by a lion. The question is, how did this false Navi, this false prophet, get a true prophecy? And the Gemara explains that it was in the merit of Achnasat Orchim. He fed Ido, and in that merit he received the true prophecy. The Gemara writes, Gedola legima." That it's great to give food to people. It's a great merit. It even causes false prophets to perceive the Shekhinah. 
How does the Gemara conclude? This means that if one doesn't help the hungry people, if he sins accidentally, he is punished as if he purposely sinned. Unfortunately, there's a story also brought in Navi of Yonatan, the son of Shaul HaMelech. Yonatan and David were best friends. They had the greatest bond of love you can imagine. And David was escaping from Yonatan's father. He was escaping from Shaul HaMelech, a big part of his life. And Yonatan told David to leave and go. You know, my father wants to kill you. It's time for you to leave. You have to get out of here. You have to save your life. The Gemara says an incredible statement. The Gemara says, If Yonatan would have only given David Amelech two loaves of bread, the city of Nov, the city of Koanim, would not have been murdered. wouldn't have lost his portion in Olam Abba. And Shaul with his three sons wouldn't have been killed. You know why? Because when David HaMelech escaped without food, he had no choice but to search for food. So he went into the home of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, Achimelech, in, in the city of Nov. And he asked for a meal. He's hungry. I need food. Because Yonatan didn't give him any food. Doeg was listening and found out about this. And then he told Shaul, and Shaul said to the city of Nob, to the people of Nob, you're helping David? You're rebelling against me. You're rebelling against my army. And Shaul ordered the whole city of Koanim, the whole city of Nov, to be murdered. The result was, Doe Gadomi lost his portion in Olam Abba because of the Lashon he spoke. Shaul was punished for killing the Kohanim of Nov, his punishment that he and his three sons were killed in war. And the Gemara holds Yonatan, David's best friend, responsible for all of this because he didn't give two loaves of bread to David. If one doesn't provide food for the people who need it, he's held responsible for everything wrong that happens due to his error. That teaches us the importance and how Great this mitzvah of Achnasat Orchim is. I want to conclude with one idea, a different idea, but one that is also extremely powerful. We are taught that Hashem can do everything and never to lose hope. Rabbi Tzadok Kohen writes that when it comes to matters of this world, a Jew should never lose hope. Afilu cherev chada munachat al tzavaro shel adam Gemara Masechet Brachot says, even when a sharp sword is placed upon one's neck, you shouldn't lose hope. The same thing applies in our spiritual journey. Even if a person is steeped in Averot, in sin, including the sins that the rabbis say Teshuvah won't help you, or Teshuvah is too difficult to attain, a person cannot lose hope. Ki en yeush klal etzel because the concept of yeush, of despair, doesn't apply to a Jew. The Jewish nation was built how? It was built after a yeush, after a despair. No one thought Abraham and Sarah could bear children. Hashem planned that the growth of the Jewish nation should come specifically after a period of yeush. 
because a Jew needs to believe that Hashem can always help and there is nothing he cannot do. Story is told in the name of Rabbeinu Nisim Gaon of a wealthy Jew who thought to himself, you know, a person doesn't live forever. One day I'm going to be in the grave and I won't take a penny with me. What can I do with my wealth so that it can help me even when I die? So his advisor told him, go and help the poor. And in that merit, you'll, uh, it'll help you in Olam Abba. So this wealthy Jew decided to give his money to a poor person who is totally in Yehush, meaning he is in total despair of anything. He doesn't believe anything good is going to happen to him in his life without any trace of hope. And he says, when I find this person, I'm going to give him a lot of money and make him wealthy in a moment. So he began speaking with all the poor people, asking them how they manage. None of them really lost hope. One is relying on a wealthy uncle who might help him. Another one plans to find a job, etc. He became frustrated. He says, I can't find anybody that, that, that lost total hope. Then he finally saw someone dressed in rags, sitting on top of the garbage, rummaging through the garbage, looking for something to eat. And he looked at that's the guy. Can there be anybody poorer than him? This person for sure lost all hope and he gave him a hundred silver coins. The poor man asked, why did you give me so much money? So the wealthy man said, I made a promise that I'm going to give a lot of money to the poor person who has lost all hope. And that's what he responded to them. And the poor man told him, only a fool loses hope. I didn't lose hope. I trust in Hashem. That God raises the poor out of the garbage heaps. And if Hashem wills it, if that's what He wants, nothing can prevent Hashem from making me wealthy. So in a way, this was His way of not losing hope. He got the money from the wealthy man. So the wealthy man realized at this moment that he's never going to find a guy that's going to lose all hope. So what did he do? He dug a pit in the cemetery and he hid all of his money in the pit. And the wheel of fortune turned. And eventually this wealthy man became very poor. And he went from door to door collecting food and money. And reminded himself that once he buried a large sum of money in the cemetery. So he went to the cemetery to start digging. But then the police arrived. And he was arrested. And he was brought in front of the mayor. And he explained to the mayor that once I was wealthy and now he's poor and I'm going collecting from door to door, and, you know, once upon a time, I remembered I buried uh, in the cemetery a, a, a big sack of money, and I was digging there to retrieve it, and then they arrested me. The mayor looks at him and he says, don't you remember me? Years ago, you found me in the garbage dump, rummaging around for food, and I told you that I trust in Hashem. I told you if He wills it, He can make me wealthy. Look where my trust, look where my bitachon brought me. Because Hashem can do anything and everything. If we trust in Him, we will enjoy His Yeshuot. And this lesson was taught to us at the beginning of our nation. According to nature, Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children. B'nai Israel would have never been at all. But if Hashem wants it, miracles can happen beyond, beyond nature. There is a prayer a special Kaddish that is recited on two occasions, either when you finish a Masechet in Talmud, or God forbid, when someone passes away, you say it at a burial. What's the connection? Why would you recite the same Kaddish 
praising God in a very different way than you normally would say Kaddish when you finish a Masechet and at a burial. Perhaps this hints that a person's life is like learning a Masechet in, in Gemara. Some Masechets are long, some like Shabbat, Babatra, some are very short. Same thing with life. Some people's lives are long, some people's lives are short. And when a person is, goes through studying Torah, there are more difficult pages, which he has to toil and get through, and there are easier pages. And so too with life. There are harder times and easier times. But just like when he's learning, he doesn't give up. He pushes hard so he understands what he's learning. So too, in life, when a person goes through a hard period, he doesn't give up either. He shouldn't be meyuash. He shouldn't be meyayish to give up hope and despair. He has to say to himself, better times will come. There's a pasuk in Sefer Yishayahu that says, Hashem fulfills the word of the servant, of his servant, and Hashem fulfills the counsel of the angels. And the Midrash explains, who is this servant? Abraham. And what does it mean Hashem fulfills the counsel of the angels? It refers to the angels' good tidings that Abraham and Sarah were going to bear a child. And the Pasuk concludes that Yerushalayim will be settled, the cities of Yehuda will be rebuilt, and I, will, I shall reestablish its ruins. The beginning of the Pasuk talks about Abraham Avinu bearing children, and the end of the Pasuk talks about Yerushalayim, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. What's the connection between the two subjects? So Rabbi Tzadok HaKohen explains that the similarity lies in the fact that both matters were unexpected. Avraham Avinu was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. The Midrashim say that naturally Avraham and Sarah couldn't bear children. It wasn't biologically possible for them. So therefore, Avraham, Sarah, and everybody that knew them, they just lost hope. When the angel came to tell Sarah that she would have a child, the Torah tells us, in this week's parasha, that Sarah laughed in her heart, saying, I'm shriveled up, and I'm going to become young again. My husband is old, meaning it's impossible. Sarah despaired of even carrying a child. She experienced yeush. She experienced despair of hope. But the impossible happened. So too, when it comes to Yerushalayim and the Geulah, many people have lost hope in the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. Almost 2,000 years have passed since we had our Bet HaMikdash. We went through so much. The Geulah hasn't come. There seems to be no light at the end of this tunnel. The Pasuk is talking to us. It's telling us that for Abraham and Sarah, all seemed lost as well, but they bore a child in their old age. And there's going to be a time when Mashiach is going to come and we cannot despair and there's sources from the Pesukim, from our rabbi, stating that before Mashiach comes, mankind is going to find themselves in a state of yeush, of despair. They won't believe that they're ever going to be saved. That's why the, the Navi tells us, The nations of the world are going to enter a state of shock when the Jewish salvation is announced. It won't be expected. The Gemara says, En ben David ba at that Mashiach will only come to a generation that has lost hope. However, when we start thinking Abraham and Sarah and the miracles that were performed for them, we realize that there's miracles waiting for us too. The, the Navi says, 
Look at Abraham, your forefather. Look at Sarah, who gave birth to you. Your origin, you come from despair. You come from a couple who gave up hope. And therefore, you shouldn't have come into existence. But Hashem saved Abraham and Sarah beyond the rules of nature. He's going to redeem you too. What was the mantra of Abraham Avinu? The head of the nation was never to lose hope. Lot was captured also this week's parasha. Everyone thought it was impossible to save him. But Abraham didn't give up. He took 318 men and he chased after the four kings and saved Lot. And the Gemara tells us that the Gematria of Eliezer is 318. The definition of Eliezer is Elohe Avi Be'ezri. The God of my father is my helper. With this awareness, Hashem is his helper. Anything is possible. And Abraham battled a war against four mighty kings in last week's parasha. And he saved his nephew, Lot. The gematria of the word Yeush, the numerical value of the word Yeush, which means to give up hope, to despair, is 317. If you add one more, it's equal to 318, the gematria of Eliezer, which stands for Elohe Avi Be'ezri, that Hashem, the God of my father, is my helper. When one knows that Hashem is helping him, you don't have Yeush anymore. There's no more despair. And therefore, that is our mission, to never give up hope, because we understand where we come from. It's no coincidence that the name of Hashem, Yudke Vavke, isn't mentioned in the parashiot of Miketz, Vayigash, until halfway through Vayichi. Those are the last three uh, parashiot in the book of Bereshit. Until the words, Lishuatcha Kiviti Hashem, I await your salvation Hashem. You know why Hashem's name is not mentioned in two and a half parashas? Because these Pesukim talk about the story of the exile to Egypt. The seven years of plenty followed by the bad years of hunger and it ended with Yaakov Avinu and his family coming down to Egypt. It wasn't a happy time. And therefore Hashem's name of Yud Vavke, the name of mercy, the name of compassion, isn't mentioned. If you count the number of verses of Pesukim that Hashem's name isn't mentioned, you will get to 318. And this hints to us that even when Hashem's compassion is concealed, it's always Eliezer, it's always 318. It's always Elohe Avi Be'ezri, that Hashem is helping us there from behind the scenes. And since Hashem is with us, there is never a reason to give up hope. And Bezrat Hashem, if we learn the lessons from Abraham and Sarah to never give up hope, we will also find the strength within us to wait patiently without giving up hope for the coming of Mashiach, the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. Bimerabi Amenu. Amen. The Finding Holiness podcast has been brought to you by Eli's Fine Foods. Serving the greater Toronto area for over 25 years, Eli's has been a staple in the kosher food industry, offering catering and takeout options in locations across the city. For more information, check out their website at elisfinefoods.com. To sponsor an episode or Torah class, email us at findingholiness at gmail.com. 
or support us directly using the link atop the webpage at findingholiness.buzzsprout.com.